This episode of After the Show is brought to you by Odyssey. Odyssey are makers of headphones for gamers and audiophiles alike. You can check them out on www.audeze.com. That's www.audeze.com. You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. You can find this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, Google Play, YouTube, Voice Assistance, just say listen to After The Show Movie Podcast, and you can also find us on ascully.com where we post written reviews. With that out of the way, here are your hosts, Ascully and Sitok. Hello and welcome, Sid Talk. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the After the Show. Thanks. Um, welcome. <laughs> so what was the before, the After the Show discussion? This movie. Yeah. Mostly. Mostly? Yeah. Yeah. So we basically we don't have any before the After the Show discussion. <laughs> because it was this. Yeah. So we're done. Goodbye. Thank you all for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> all right. It was just like one of those movies... You asked me about it, and we got to talking, and now we're going to have to rehash some of that, probably. True. So, it is Saturday, August the 22nd. This is after the show. We're a movie review podcast. We review movies for you every week, and this week, in our 648th edition, we're looking at the movie The Kid Who Would Be King. It's a 2019 release. It's out on Blu-ray now. It's rated PG, and it's from our friends at Fox, who sent us a copy for review. Sid Talk, you give us your synopsis and then I'll give you the real one. Hmm. Kids save the world using the King Arthur story. I thought you were going to say kids who would be kings. Oh, no. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. I mean, that's the shorter version of what <laughs> I'm saying. Uh, yeah, King Arthur story, but modern with kids. All right, I'll give you the one off the back of the box. Are you ready? Yes. The King Arthur legend meets the modern day in this epic family-friendly adventure. Young Alex is just another bullied kid until he discovers the legendary sword Excalibur and begins training as a knight with Wizard Merlin. Alex must turn schoolyard enemies into allies and become the leader he never dreamed he could be to defeat the wicked Morgana and save the world. There you go. You just sprinkled in words from King Arthur to make my point. Perfect. True. The true story of King Arthur <laughs> and the Knights of the Round Did you table. believe King Arthur was real when you were a kid? When I was a kid, I thought it was part of history, yes. Right. I think a lot of people might still think that. <laughs> <laughs> I Actually, yeah. FYI, everyone. The way not. it's taught to you at school is it actually was a thing. But obviously it's not. It's a legend. You're yeah. a legend, Dave. Oh, sorry. Different. Whole different story there. True. So um, give us your uh, opinion on this movie, what we just watched. It was watched. fun. I enjoyed it. But? However, it's a bit saccharine for me. Um, I what get it. What does that mean? Saccharine means it's like a little too, if you just do the right thing, then you can save everything and everybody. <sighs> you know, and while I appreciate that kind of story... Because that's almost every story that's adventure or good versus evil kind of thing. It was just a bit much at times. And it didn't look great all the time. My favorite things are like the enthusiasm of the kids who are performing. Because right. I thought they were really good. All Everybody was good. I, I'm into that. and But that just seemed a bit excessively sweet. So let me explain something. This movie is a British movie, and it's presented... I said to you, I came out of it, um, when I was a child, like six, seven years old, there was lots of movies on television that felt like they were aimed at me as a six and seven-year-old, and they were very British, sometimes not, but mostly British movies, that kind of put the kid into the shoes of like a hero... And then they became a hero. And then as a kid, you came out the other side and you were like, oh, I could be a hero, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like superhero movies of today, I guess. 
But um, this movie has that kind of vibe to it. And we were just talking about that, what that is. Some British, as a British person, and you as an American person who mostly has viewed Britain through like movies and TV and stuff, mm, right? Definitely. So you've been like, you see a particular side, like a whole, I call it's not Hollywood because it's not Hollywood, is it? It's, <laughs> let's say Pinewood Studios. It's like the way they kind of present Britain to you. And I said, like a caricature, like, yeah. Like, uh, what's her face with the umbrella and, you know, Mary chitty, chitty, bang, bang. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah, exactly. Like, like a modern version of that. Yeah. Chimney sweeps and all that stuff. And, you know, Love Actually, while I, I love that film, it's got this heightened Britishness to it. It's almost like the director said, be more British when you're performing. Be very British. We want this to be British. <laughs> it feels like somebody was saying that to everybody in the movie. And this movie has that, like, it's like been painted with that. <laughs> so I, I don't know because I'm a British person looking at it. But even I see, oh, that's not really how British people are. It's very... Harry Potter's also responsible for it. Harry Potter's very... un. You know, as a British person, you look at it and you go, oh, yeah, they're doing that. What most people think British people should be like. But then I asked you, what's an American version of that? And And we didn't really think other than TV shows. Yeah, like I said the other day, I had to... for, For a thing, I had to watch... An episode of, what's it called? Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond. And I've never watched an episode in my life. And did you love Raymond? I, <laughs> you know what? This particular episode, Raymond, wasn't actually a big focus of it. It was the mother. Oh, always. The older lady. Yeah, she often was, yeah. But the the actual show felt very like I see American sitcoms. It's very like stereotypical and it's very... Not very realistic. It's it's very like scripted and everything. Do you feel says, like it's overly caricature American though? That's kinda like yeah, the, it's yeah. very what I think like because I've been fed that all my life. You watch friends, that's what Americans are like. You watch, you know, sure. happy days, that's what Americans are like. And it's not, is it? It's just really isn't. I mean it on some level. There's but. a there's a bit of, um, you know, but it's mostly a fantasized version, like a perfect version or a... Yeah, everybody. and this, this movie has it in all the aspects, like the bullies at school, the kid whose father is absent, and the mom who's a little extra, is she London-y or something? But real theatrical about it. Yeah. And... Like every... You know, it, the high school and the, the uniforms, they're, they're real. That's what our kids dress, you know, for school. It does scream. That does totally scream British, of course. Yeah. The that, kids and the ties. There is truth to that part. True. But the way, like, all the kids, you know, there's no... If you think about this movie, all the kids have got the same accent. There's no, like, Scottish guy here and thing. You know, it's not... That's true. It's... it's you know, everybody sounds kind of the same. It's very, like, sterile or something. So you have to get around that. And I'm just used to it because I've watched a lot of British stuff. But I imagine, like, a lot of American audiences will be like, what's this, Harry Potter again? Like, this just seems like <laughs> We another... wouldn't even question it, probably. Yeah, or, <laughs> or this just seems like a cheap Harry Potter. Like, it's like it's like it's going for Harry Potter, but it's, like, cheaper than that. Um, you know? yeah. And it does have that feel. Now, so what are we saying overall? It's very, in your words, not mine, very British. <laughs> yeah, it's very British, yeah. And unfortunately, that's kind of one of my negative things about it. Not the British part, but just these overly, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. It's very difficult because I enjoy it. But half the time I felt like it's really... It's very... Empty calories, sadly, or something. Yeah, and it's very... You know, it's obviously aimed at a, a younger age group. Sure. And we, we even... We're saying, like, probably, like, a five- or six-year-old and up. Maybe seven or eight. I mm. mean, you know... But that, you know, I was thinking about... Well, when I was, like, like seven, let's say, and I watched... Um, if you watched this exact movie when you were... 
that age, you would have been totally into it. I'd like, have been pretending into it, to be I'd have been acting it out afterwards. Right. And I wanted to be, you know, Arthur and all that sort of stuff. So that's where I was like, That's what, what it's for. And I'm a 52 year old woman who's not British. Right. So I don't identify with it all. But if other I, than the tale of, you know, standing up for what's right, doing what's right, I'm all I'm on board. For and that. you know, the King Arthur story has been told so many times in cinema. And I'm, in books. Yeah, I don't find it that compelling. So that might have been another thing. And you know? they were kind of like with this movie, well, we're taking a new spin on it because we're bringing it into the modern world. And what if, like, uh, the sword in the stone was existed on a building site and the kids were the heroes? And, you know, well, that's not really a it new spin on it. It seems manufactured until you hear the fact that the guy who directed it and wrote it started thinking of it when he was 13. So it's not like somebody came up with it just to, like, right. cash in, but... It feels that way a little bit. And it's not really a new spin on the King Arthur story because it is the King Arthur story. They just like put some kids in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we watched a King Arthur story um, and we were mentioning it after we'd watched this. So I was like, oh yeah, we watched that King Arthur film that Guy Ritchie did that was really bizarre. And it was like, it was partially Lord of the Rings and it was partially King Arthur and it was all melded together and it felt like somebody was trying a bit too hard and... They also wanted to tell the King Arthur story differently. Yeah, my my thing would be, hey guys, you're very creative, guys and gals. Um, make up something new. Yeah, well, yeah, come on with it. Your own <laughs> Lord story, of the Rings though. didn't exist until he wrote it originally. Right. So how about you write something brand spanking new? That'd be great. And the King Arthur story, as it stands, if you don't mess with it, is actually quite a good story. So, I mean, it's it's no, it's not kept alive all these years because it was a bad story it's a good story to begin with sure i mean i'm not that into it but i get what you're saying yeah i do i did like some of the things they did in this movie with the king arthur legend such a i think my favorite thing in the entire movie even was the round table because <laughs> but that was just a personal thing <laughs> but it was very i thought that was very inventive and there was like an inventive moment where i was like well you know the king's Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table. There's obviously, in any version of King Arthur you've seen, there's a scene where the Knights of the Round Table sit around the table and discuss what's going to happen. And in this movie, what is it? Are we going to spoil it? Yeah. Uh, They're sitting at a table. They're kids. They're all sitting around a table. They zoom up because he says, you know, King Arthur's men gathered around the round table. And as we zoom up, the table's like a little rectangle. But then he goes, you have to pull up the... The flaps. Yeah. And then they pull up the two sides because it's like a breakfast nook table and then it becomes a and circle. And it's not like a grand, it's just an <laughs> yeah, ordinary just round table. Right? And you loved it because that's how our table is. Exactly. Yeah. And But it's also inventive. It's like, oh, like when it's fun. It's like I a, have to disagree with you on that, but it's cute. Yeah, cute and fun. I like that. There was, there was other cute and fun things like using roadwork signs as shields. Yep, I like that. That was a cool thing, yeah. Um... There's some, I know the, the CGI is not great all the time. Some of it's really bad. bad. Yeah. But I did like the design of the horses that come out of the ground with the knights on them. I thought those, those were... Those looked really good. Yeah. They, were, they didn't always look great in action, but I liked the character design of them. They, they were on fire... And then when they get they get killed pretty easily though, right? Like they just get bashed or well, something. Well, he explained it. He yelled, "They're made of bones, so you can just break yeah. them apart." So that's how children could win a battle against um, ancient dead warriors that are on fire on yeah. horses bigger than normal. But because they're made of bones, we can just bump them a little bit. They'll be they'll just fall apart. And it has some like really cool, you know. Since there's a sequence where they're in a car and they're like run, they're riding down the street and they're smashing into the horses and the horses like when they erupt they go up in like um like sparks like mm-hmm. out, that like looks really good yeah it looked really good now this is where this is a moment where I was talking about this movie being kind of, when you said saccharin um one of the teenagers is driving the car and another teenager looks at the girl and says. Where did you learn to drive a car? And she <laughs> says Mario Kart, right? Now, that's a joke in itself. But if this movie was going to be a little bit edgy or whatever, she'd have been like, a, you know, she'd robbed cars as an inner city youth or whatever. And <laughs> She would have she, said Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Like <laughs> so there was always, it was always like 
aiming down like in the age like even the humor it didn't ever resort to like fart and burp humor or anything like that did it no, so that was kind of it didn't you know and kids movies and stuff often go for the lowest thing where kids will laugh at it somebody will fart or whatever you know so don't go for that you know one of the things i really didn't like because it looks stupid what? like it's merlin's um when he's casting spells what the hell is that I kind of liked it because it was really super weird because I've always thought if you're magical, right? If if there was magic in the world like Samantha from Bewitched, for example. Right. Why does she need to twinkle her nose? What in the physics of being able to do magic makes it so that that does it? You know what I mean? Like if you're magic, you could just make it magical that you don't have to do anything. You just think it, right? So I've always been fascinated with the different things. Some people want wave their arms around. Some people just point and or lift their hands up, you know, to do their magic. And this guy does like, uh, you know, snap the fingers, clap, clap, boom, boom. Little. It's almost like he's doing a meme or something. It's like he's, it's like, yes, it's, it's like, but I, I thought it was kind of cute, top. actually. <laughs> I think they just went like, what would be like the silliest that we could get kids doing? Maybe absolutely, like an. And he does a lot. Like in Lord of the Rings, when Gandalf does a spell, he just holds his staff up and the spell comes. Yeah, like bangs the staff on the yeah, ground. Like there's always your... some gesture that, that makes the magic happen, which I find hilarious. This because... one's almost like a secret handshake type Correct. scenario. Correct. And for me, it was a bit much. Like I was like, oh. Here he goes again. Yeah. And he does it, <laughs> and he does it quite often, right? Yeah. If, if it annoys you, which it started to, I was like, oh, come on. I've seen it now. You don't have to do it again. So there were a few niggly things for me like that. But overall, the story's good, but I understand what you're saying too. It's also really bland. Yeah. Because it feels like, um, often felt like a video game to me. Like, here's the act, here's an act, here's an act, here's, oh, here's the part where they're trapped in the we can see that they're going in the thing, and that's going to be the boss battle. Yeah, the acts are comes. very clear. I mean, not every story has a beginning, middle, and end, and then they're broken down into, you know, here's a problem to solve, solve the problem, resolution, move on kind of situation. But if it's really transparent, yeah, that kind of breaks it. It's like it's chopping it up like a play. Every time the curtain closes, you're fully, you're brought back you're into in the, the theater. Yeah, place, like yeah. Um, and another thing, uh, and I don't say this often about movies, but the editing was pretty bad. There's, there's some like cuts between scenes that don't make sense. It was very weird. It was, it was like, oh, hold on, what, what? And and there's not just that. There's also, um, I, I think, and I don't ever say this hardly, I think it felt too long. There was like a fake ending and then another whole en- another whole section. Which it was very obvious that which that was, was what yeah. was happening. But. but it almost seemed to drag a bit. Like it was like, oh, we've done a big boss battle and now we're going to do another, pretty much repeat it, but in a different way. We're doing, we're doing the boss battle again, right? Against the same sure. enemy. That's and how we're going to spend another yeah. 20 minutes doing it. And we've just done it. Like we, we were we just did the thing where all the heroes went into a thing. And but then fought. it was a very clear that wasn't it. Yeah, it, um, it wasn't I mean, even done in a way that was convincing. No. So but, that's why I was like, oh, what's going on here? Yeah, I was like, oh, it's not over yet. Like, and then it went on and on and on a bit, and I was like, what's oh, the well. best fake ending? For you, me, it's Poltergeist. You're convinced she's running her bath. She's got her gray yeah. hair. She's that's it, right? She's yes. got her hair color. <laughs> I don't know if this spoiler as, alert. That's not the end. <laughs> I don't know if this counts as a fake ending, but it faked me out, and it was the original Friday the Thirteenth when it's all mellow and calm, and the boat is on the river, mm. and then and you're like, and well, that's music, just the last second, though. Yeah, the music's playing as though like everything's cool, and and I was convinced everything was cool, and then it wasn't cool. That's not so much a fake ending, right? Right, because we're done. The movie's yeah, done. Saying, All it is is a like it's like screw you. He's uh, another spoiler alert. He's not dead. <laughs> I think Jaws might try and pull that off, where the you think it's over, and then it's then there's a bunch more of fighting the shark at the end. Oh, I don't think so. Where it eats him on the boat, and then they shoot it enough, and they think it's gone, and then it comes back. Yeah, but they don't commit. 
There's no, no convincing. Not. Yeah, I'm never convinced there. But there's several. There's a lot. I mean, Lord of the Rings has like three. Yeah, I think Aliens tries to do it. It's like she's true a little bit, yeah. And then there's a bit of a battle at the end again, where it's back. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. So this actually felt long, and I felt like whoever edited it, and there was some choppy, weird edits, and also there was sections of it where I actually thought it dragged a bit, and I was thinking. Not because of me. I was thinking, well, this is actually aimed at kids and, you know, sitting kids in the theater for two hours. Or whatever. It was it was actually two hours long, you know. Mm -hmm. Maybe that is, like, a problem, too, because, like, a lot of... If you look at a lot of kids' Pixar movies, Disney movies, they try and aim for the 90-minute mark, and that's not an accident. It's because little kids, they don't sit still, do they, for a <laughs> long time? So this one had that issue for me. Don't know if it was like I was a bit bored of it towards the end, or it was just. I think you might have been bored. Right. But, I, um, didn't, I didn't feel that, and normally I would too, but that didn't occur to me. I was, I was on board for the whole of it, even if it wasn't super satisfying all the time. Yeah, and you know, it. I had vibes of other movies watching it, um, which I'll re in my review recommendations later. But um, it's obviously aimed at a lower age group. Overall, it's fun. Yeah. Like, you can't deny that it's like, I was entertained and I was rooting for them. I wanted to see how things went. Sometimes, if I don't care what's happening to the people, the heroes or whatever, I'm out. I'm so bored. But I wasn't like that. I was rooting for these people. You know why? Like I said before, they all did a good job. Yeah, that's true. So I, I was into that. The other thing was, it, it like... um. Add references to other movies like Star Wars and, you know. Definitely. He even mentions those movies. Um, there's a bit of a subplot about his father, which is a bit crap, I thought. It's very not well written, that no. part. Um, it just seemed like, well, we have to do that. Let's just do that and, and make it modern. And he even says... <laughs> the notion of the kid and the father and all that. It's a little bit heavy-handed that the father doesn't matter. I thought that was a bit, like, right. kind of a low blow. Yeah. And the you know the way the mom talks about the dad, and it's obvious yeah. that the, the dad wasn't you know he left, and the si there's a bit with the sister, and it's just not oh yeah the aunt filled in very well like Correct. that story like it feels like there was more to that story, but they just went. it's like this the guy who wrote it wanted a kid to be the King Arthur guy, yeah. and then everything else is stuck to it like a post-it note. Does this work? Does this work? Will this work? Does this work? And I think that's how it got built. Now, that sounds terribly condescending. And if I wanted a better King Arthur movie, I should make it myself and shut up. He might not have even used any post-it notes. <laughs> True. Post-it notes are just a metaphor. He might have used for, Stick a pen in it, brand. make a note on your phone for it, whatever method you use. Scratch it in stone. I don't care. Well, stone would be the appropriate. For Use some uh, Velcro to throw things at it and see what sticks. Throw the spaghetti at it. You know, all the different things you could say to see what sticks. And then if it barely clings to it, oh, yep, let's use that. That's how it felt. And uh, stone would have been the best. Stone tablets. Uh, are you trying to make, a, like, connect it to the movie? Sword in the stone, you know. I get it, I get it. I liked where um, the kid put the... They were on top of the thing, and he needed to rest to go and do something, and he put the, st the sword in a stone on top of the mountain. Yeah, he was just like, well, I know nobody can pull it out of there and except for me. And then all the me. kids were gathering around <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were some cute moments in it. Absolutely. But, um, so let's move on to the cast. Louis Ashbourne Circus plays our hero, Alex. and um, He was good. He was good. Who is he? He's Alex Circ. What's his first name? Whatever his name is. <laughs> I mean, you make a bigger deal about it than me. I think we should just take him for his, who well, he I'll is. Tell you he's he does anyway. a good job. Andy Circus is Andy Circus's little boy, right? But why is that relevant, really? When if he was really crappy and someone gave him the job because of that, that would be different. But he actually did a really good job, and that uh, was on his why own. I wanted to mention it because, but not knowing that Andy Circus is his father, leaves it so that he's just his own person. And Andy Serkis is no is not like a great actor or anything anyway, is he? He's a motion capture guy. I mean, he's been good. He's good. I don't think he's that good. But I think if Andy Serkis called you up and said, my kid needs a part in your movie, that can diminish whether or not the kid is good or not. And this kid was just good. Yeah, I thoroughly expected um, 
See, in my mind, the father story was going to lead to him meeting his father at some point and the father being Andy Serkis. Why, why would you think so? Or B, that? it was going to lead to some motion-captured creature that was Andy Serkis. Uh, I thought they no were offense, it. but that's pretty lame. I, I mean, were... why would you do that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It would be very lame. And yes, that's what I was, okay. for, I was thoroughly expecting that. <laughs> like the, the, That they'd been, you know, like his dad had got in part, you know, his dad's a producer or something and they're both in it. Hmm. But that's not the case. And I thought he was really good. I mean, he's good. He's like a... Yeah. I mean, he's got the over, a little bit overacting theatrical kid thing, but that was seemed to be the theme on the set. But he's pretty ordinary as a kid, too. Mm-hmm. He just seems like an average, that age kid. How old is he, would you say? Is 14, 13? Well, he says 12. The character's 12, so yeah. I don't know how old he is. Uh, Dean Shamu plays Bedders, and that's his good friend, who's, you know, the bully. He's actually the kid who's being bullied at the beginning. And uh, he's, what would you, is he like a geek? Kind of guy? Yeah, they use a few stereotypes here. So uh, he's not sort just of a like, few. Everybody's a stereotype. He's like the whiny little, and I'm going to assume that he is Asian of some kind, Indian, Indian Pakistan, yeah. I'm not sure, but that feels like a stereotype. And then the bully is this tall, teenage, white, blonde, very square-jawed, you know, bully guy. And yeah. then the girl with him is African-American. She wouldn't be African-American. She would be... In England, a African British. I'm not sure. She would be British. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I'm just saying they're using stereotypes that feel a little forced, and I wasn't sure. I mean, maybe that's just modern sensibilities, and I was just thinking, really, you know, you're slotting these kids in a very specific hole, and I thought that was a bit tacky. But the kids themselves were all good. Bedders, uh, the kid who played Bedders, I liked his. I actually liked his arc. Throughout, because he, you know, he he wouldn't. Yeah, he, he was toughened up a little bit. Yeah, he was being bullied, and he he was scared, and like he didn't want any adventure and all that at the beginning, and then true, he was really into it at the end. Like he was helping all the kids get the, you know, shields and their armor on and all that in the school. Um, Tom Taylor plays Lance. He, um, yeah, like you said, he's the bully, and he's the tall blonde kid. And he reminded me of those brothers from Harry Potter. Yeah. The Malfoys, I think they're called, right? That's it's, what I'm saying. It's just a stereotypical, the yes. like, what? how visually can we represent, like, the jerk bully? Yeah. And his sidekick is what we're doing. I mean, that's what they're presenting to us. So it just felt like, can we not shake it up a little bit or something? Or maybe present something a little bit different here, but... And he's, you know, he's the bully and he's the girl who's with him. I was going to say his girlfriend, but she's not. No, I not think they're just friends. I think they're also just saying, well, we need we can't just have two guys being bullies. We need to stick a girl in there. Yeah. I just felt like, like we've talked about before, when they're casting in the modern world, I do not disagree with casting all kinds of people. That's fantastic. But when it feels like it's very intentional, because you have a limited number of people, and now we have to slot someone into each one of these slots on purpose, you know? Mm. You mean that we've got feels- to represent all bullies of all... <laughs> yeah, all the bullies <laughs> and all the bullied. Like, uh, yeah. for the stereotypical bullies and victims here. We have to, you know, and I just think we can do better than that. We're mm. smarter than that these days. We can do better. She's called Rihanna Doris. I, I actually really like. her. Oh, yeah, she was really... She was actually one of the best s- character as well because she did go from... You're convinced she's just a jerk kid. And then she pretty quickly is kind of like, you know, you don't have to be a jerk to her friend who is the bully. So I, I liked her. I mean, they see some stuff that's very <laughs> Yeah, they got convinced crazy. quickly. Yeah. Um, Rebecca Ferguson is the bad guy or bad girl. Morgana. Um, Rebecca Ferguson, you'll know her from all kinds of things, including, uh, you know, Mission Impossible and re- more recently, Doctor Sleep. Um, and you went into her, were you? Not this time. Her, yes, but not the way she did. I liked her CG. Could I put this out to the Hollywood? Okay, I get it. You want to do trends, so people who are in the movie who have no kind of brain, really, they're just kind of go along with every trend, and they're going to respond to this whispering thing, this whispering mumbling. 
that seems to be very popular. Nobody it's really fucking annoying. Yeah, I know. It's annoying. The whispery villain who mumbles and shit, it isn't, it, it's nothing. It doesn't make any sense. So let's just nip it in the butt. I thought That's it sounded what really cool. Oh, well, you're wrong. <laughs> it was super annoying and you could barely understand her half the time. And then, then all of a sudden she talked normal. Like she talked, you know, like she's got power in her voice because she's now, she's a villain. And I thought, oh, okay, well, she's kind of weak in the beginning. So maybe that was the reason for the, but then all of a sudden she goes right back to it when she's got all of her strength. And so I just thought, well, again, a caricature of what somebody thought this bad lady would be like. And it just seemed cheap and lazy. No I offense really to liked, the lady, but that's what it felt. I really liked the CG on her because she was like, sometimes, like a plant. Yeah, but sometimes it looked a bit janky. I liked it when it was I liked going, the concept a lot. When it was going up the side of the house, I really liked it. And when it looked like a dress that was flowing behind her, but it was alive. Yeah, I liked that. I mean, some of that stuff was really good. Like, the CG is actually... The, the worst CG in this film, which is really weird, because it's not like the the monsters and everything. It's like when the kids are literally, they stood on top of the hill near Stonehenge <laughs> talking to each other and they're talking to each other and they're obviously not at Stonehenge. They're on a green screen and it looks like they're cardboard cutouts in front of something. It does. It looked so bad. I felt like, is this, you even compared this a little bit to Dr. Who. I can accept this Yeah. in a TV production or in a movie that is a hundred percent committed to, like we understand the budget isn't there and but we're going to try our hardest and the overall look is a little bit cheap but you're into it right this yeah. is like we have a really good moment and then a really like your eyeballs cannot convince your brain that they're standing in front of a sunset next to Stonehenge anymore they just looked so bad yeah if i was the director i'd be kind of like look we have to spend a bit we have to spend a little bit of money to go to Stonehenge for a couple of days to actually film the kids in front of Stonehenge because how it looks in the movie the lighting is completely wrong on them it was it's like there's a photograph of Stonehenge or some video footage of it <laughs> and then the kids superimposed and then it cuts to like from one kid to another kid and the lighting is completely different and it, it, that was where I was like, this is like something that shouldn't look bad. Like those horses running down the street should, if you've got a shitty budget or whatever. True. Those should look, you should be looking at them going, oh God, they're, they're pretty shitty. Not just some kids talking in front of Stonehenge. So I think the bad CG is mostly stuff that shouldn't be bad. Do you think they think people are just going to watch movies on their phones from now on? And not notice. So it doesn't matter. Would you know? You'd still notice that though, wouldn't you? Uh, you and I would. Yeah. Because they use that like phony lens flare when they pan the camera as well, which is an instant for me like of, oh, this is a green screen because it doesn't look right. They start panning the camera and there's an actual like Photoshop lens flare added. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's not how things look. So that's <laughs> not real. Like. <laughs> which would be fine. Again, if the whole movie was committed to that style... Right. Right. So you're in that universe, you're in that world, you're creating this particular kind of mostly fantasy look for me. That's cool. I'm into it. But it didn't. I'm, I'm finally here. The um, Patrick Stewart plays Merlin. <laughs> no. Sometimes. Yeah, he's not in it very long, is he? I bet, I bet you total up his screen time, it's five minutes. It's not much. Yeah. Do, does he bring fine. anything to it for you? Um, Not particularly. I mean, I'm a huge... I'm a fan because, you know, Picard, come on, I'm a Star Trek person. But um, I'm kind of neutral on him and in movies like this, just like I am with Morgan Freeman and Gene Hackman and, you know, just because they are who they are and they do their thing, it doesn't elevate it to me. Now, he's fun and he's a little bit wacky, so I like that. He definitely looked like he was having fun. Yeah, exactly. So I enjoyed watching him, but it could have been... Anybody. <laughs> and this movie that sounds really terrible. This movie's directed by Joe Cornish, who also directed Attack the Block, which we didn't actually see, but I hear really good things about it. You know, it's the it's the alien invasion film with John Boyega from But you like haven't seen it, so you don't know. Twenty fifteen, I think. Um but he also wrote the screenplay for Marvel's Ant Man, the first one, 
which is actually very enjoyable. You like Ant-Man? Yeah, it was fun. So um, what do you think of Joe Cornish as a director here? Um, I think everything that I've said that I'm not a huge fan of is because of how he is as a director. That he had, he was, looked like, after we saw the extras, I was like, oh, that totally explains it. He's a bit of a control freak. And even the kid says it. He's a bit, you know, he's a... Hands on. He's like a micromanager. He acts out how you're supposed to do it. And he jumps around and does all the stuff. And when a person is that controlling about their vision, right? I feel like... The collaboration is there, obviously. There, you've got the whole crew and the cast and everything. But that person can't spread their vision that thin. And something's going to suffer. And I just think that's what happened. All right. So moving on to the extras on the Blu-ray. There are a bunch. Deleted scenes, Origins of a King, Young Knights, Night School, The Two Merlins, and more. More than that? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, standard behind the scenes. You do get to see the director doing his job. But it's pretty standard stuff. Um, IMDB reviews, what's that? IMDB reviews are when you go out and find reviews of people who give one-star reviews, which are hilarious. Yeah, we're not saying we're a one-star review for this movie, but these people... No, no. All right, this person says, I've never done a review before because I can tolerate a lot of different movies, but this one, this was bad. It was extremely cheesy and just flat-out boring. (laughs) I had no idea what the... What the Mai were trying to accomplish with this movie. It's just bad. I wasted two and a half hours on this movie. He must have watched the director's cut because it wasn't two and a half hours. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Two and a half hours. Don't bother. I mean, don't watch it. This is the thing. If you start to watch a movie and you really like, ugh, then stop. You have a life. Your life does not revolve around movies and entertainment. It just doesn't. I, it may be shocking to some of you. You can move on instead of watching it and then bitching that you watched it. I, I might find things I don't like about this movie, but for two hours of our life that we watched it and now an hour and a half talking about it and probably talking about it again randomly here and there and then referencing again in the future, those are all good experiences. There's nothing negative about it to me. I'm just expressing the things I'm not in love with, right? But a person who sits there grumbling probably, right? And like shuffling in their seat and be like, oh, that's stupid. Well, that's, you know, it doesn't sound like a pleasant way to spend two hours of your life. But I guess at the end of that, some people could then blame the person who made the movie for wasting two hours of their life. But you're not going to get that back. Your choice, mate. This guy says, some of the worst acting I've ever seen. It's more like a middle school production than a professional film. Louis Louis Circus has obviously inherited his dad's talent, as he is the only one who gives a convincing performance. Hmm. Disagree. Um, This guy finally says, this movie's for kids, basically, and it's (laughs) not fun, and two hours long, question mark. (laughs) Question mark? Hmm. He's questioning, is it two hours long? <laughs> Someone said it was two hours long. Is that right? That is so right. Um, we're going to give it a score now. I'm going to give it a straight up five out of ten. Maybe four. Five out of ten? No, Maybe I wouldn't. Four. I would no, give I'm going to give it five. Actually. I'd give it like a 5.9. Because, because it's better than average. You know, five is average. Five is in the middle. Five is nothingness, right? A one is like, it's so much crap that I I want you to take me to a secret facility and remove it from my brain or I'm going to feel like my head's going to explode, right? That's how bad. That's a one or a zero. Ten being the kind of movie that is absolutely nothing you would change and you would watch it again and it enhances your life, right? That's what that is. So I would say this is above the average. It's not nothing because I enjoy, enjoyed it. So I'm giving it a 5.9. Nice. Um, All right, so... um, That's what I think. Thank you to Fox for sending us a copy for review. So now that we've got rid of Sid Talk, you would be very uninterested in a review of a pair of headphones, so it's best... It's just me and you, listener. Anyway, this week, a company called Odyssey sent me a pair of headphones to actually edit the podcast with. They're called Mobius, and they are a gaming headphone, but... 
they're not just a gaming headphone. They're actually an audiophile-grade headphone. I mean, Odyssey, this company, they make headphones that cost $3,000 and up. They're a very high-end American company that are pretty respected. But just recently, they've decided to go into the gaming arena. Now, these Odyssey Mobius headphones, they have something called the planar magnetic drivers, which is essentially a different technology to what most headphones use. And it's really hard to explain how much better it is because uh, as soon as I put them on and listened, the first thing I listened to was um, a Metallica album, the Black Album. And I was listening and I've heard it a lot. Actually got an expensive-ish pair of Sony noise-canceling headphones that I listen to all the time. But these Odyssey Mobius, it just sounds like richer You can hear individual instruments. You can hear the bass is very tight and not distorted. My Sonys distort the bass quite a bit. And I think that's by design because, you know, they expect you like you'll be listening to hip hop and you want the big bassy booms. But you can set these Odyssey Mobiuses to a flat level and you can just experience what was recorded in the studio. And it sounds amazing. I was listening to The Beatles. I've been listening to the new Fiona Apple album. It just makes music like different it's just um i put them actually on sid talk to listen to who's not impressed by anything and she even she said oh those sound really good i like really loud music and where you can hear everything so uh that's the test from sid talk so what's special about these mobius headphones as far as if you're a gamer is they partnered with waves who's like the audio dsp technology person and what who won a grammy and they've added like a surround head tracking mode into the headphones now this doesn't require software even though there is a piece of software you can use on your pc but it's actually built into the headphones so there's like a gyrometer gyroscope so what you do is you put the headphones on you look forward and you press the button on the headphones and the voice inside the headphones will say centered now what that does is that means the speakers are right in front of you so it's like virtual speakers so let's say you're watching a movie and you're looking at the TV while the sound comes straight at you. So you set this button, it says centered. Now, if you're watching your movie on your monitor or playing your game, for instance, and you turn to the left and right, the Mobius tracks your head in real time and adjusts the sound. So if I turn my office chair around, it sounds like the sound is all coming from behind me. So now you might think, is this like a gimmicky thing? Well, it's actually fantastic during movies because I use an ultra wide monitor and you have to look to the left and right quite a lot to see everything. And the audio just pinpoints itself on where you're looking. So that's a really cool feature. Now these are battery operated or wired and they come with a USB-C cable. Now, they have to be on and charged to be used, but they have several modes of use. There's Bluetooth mode, so you can connect straight to your PC or your phone, for instance, via Bluetooth. There's USB-C to USB-C, so if you've got like an iPhone, you can connect straight to the headphones. And then there's 3.5 millimeter audio jack. You can connect 3.5 to 3.5, so you can plug them into anything, including your PS4 controller or in the front of your PS4 via USB, and the same with the Xbox. There's a plug-in microphone that goes on the side of them that enables you to do speech and chat during your games. And they're also 5.1 and 7.1 surround sound compatible. So you're playing Fortnite, you're having fun, you can hear people running behind you, it's all cool. But what I was most impressed by on these headphones is just setting them to flat mode, uh, turning the surround sound off completely, setting them to flat and default, and then just listening to music. It just sounds so rich, so much better. Yes, they are expensive, $399. Well, go to odyssey.com, click on the word at the top where it says Odyssey headphones and click the Mobius. You can see them. They come in three colors. They sent us the uh, Team Carbon. The design of them is excellent they're very like sturdy you can like screw the the band on top on my sony's it's actually kind of bent from using them over time well this is so solid you can actually like take the headphones there's a youtube video actually if you go and see that where odyssey are demonstrating them but it's so durable you can kind of ring the headphones left and right so um those are the odyssey headphones I've been looking at them and been trying them for a few weeks now. I just wanted to get my thoughts together before I mentioned them. And thanks to Odyssey for sending us a pair. And we'll be using them in the future 
to edit all of these podcasts. If you want to check them out, go to odyssey.com, the Odyssey Mobius, perfect for gamers and audio files. I'll, I'll say, actually, before I go, these are some of the points off the sheet. Odyssey planar magnetic drivers. They also have the Waves 3D hardware processing, integrated head tracking, anatomy calibration, which I didn't mention. You can actually put the size of your head into the software and it maps the audio accordingly. There's also 3D sound localization. It's Bluetooth enabled. It does AAC and LDAC, which is the high quality audio. They've got 10 hours of battery life. You can customize your room settings in the software. You can, uh, there's a crystal clear quality detachable microphone. It actually just removes and you can put it in, put it away. You don't need it all the time. It's got gaming audio enhancement profiles. You can flick between a few, like you can set it to footsteps modes. So it sounds like footsteps are louder. You can set it to ballistics mode. So bullets sound really good. There's also like a music mode and a warm mode. And they also have replaceable contoured memory phone earpads. So that's the Odyssey Mobius. You can check it out at odyssey.com, A-U-D-E-Z-E.com. Now back to Sid Talk, and uh, she will be non... She won't even know this happened. And uh, movie recommendations. We usually recommend you some movies that you can watch. And these are what I'm going to recommend you this week based on The Kid Who Would Be King. I'm going for Time Bandits because I had some vibes of... Time Bandits are a much better movie, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but... Is when it I'm, though? Is it though? Because are you just fond of it? Yeah, very fond of it. I watched it, right. you know, when I was a seven-year-old, probably, or an eight-year-old. No, I don't know an eleven-year-old. Yeah, but I was young, and I watched it, and it just—it took me on an adventure. It was just a cool, you know, kind of thing, which I feel like this movie might be for some kids of now. So, uh, time bandits, and this movie gave me uh, vibes of Army of Darkness which is Evil Dead 3. Not that it's gory or anything like that, but you know when Ash is fighting off the army of the dead and it's sure. the, the end of this movie had that vibe with the horses coming in and the kids trying to hold them off with the medieval armor on. Yeah, I got that vibe. It just wasn't as gruesome. <laughs> you know, True. It's not, it, this isn't gruesome in the slightest, this movie. It's very... True. It's kid-friendly. So they're my recommendations. Yours are? Mine are... Okay, I'm going controversial here. Off topic as well. But two movies with Kevin Costner that got a lot of shit in their day and probably still do. But if you think about the concepts of these movies, they're a little more relevant to the modern day. One is Waterworld. Not that the world is flooding, but, you know, and The Postman. Yeah, they're both. I'm not saying they're high quality, and if you do watch them, it's a big commitment. They're long movies, and they're a bit hokey and all that. Yes, they're totally flawed. However, the concept of a con- of in, in the world, or just say in America, the breakdown of the the postal system after a... I don't even remember what happened to the world, to be honest. Um, it's a post-apocalyptic kind of situation. Like Mad Max with no mail. Like, the mail is gone, and some, some guy decides, for whatever reason, I don't even remember that to pick up the mantle of delivering mail and helping people communicate again. I think that's fascinating as an idea. And then Waterworld is just what it's like a cartoon version of if the world is flooding and it's a Mad Max, but on water, do you think? Would yeah. that be a good way to describe it? But I just think those are fascinating ideas. So, And they both kind of are renowned for being kind of crap. Like, they're not crap, because I like both of them. But they're over budget people, and too much yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. But still, you know, interesting ideas. Yeah. I, I, don't, I think Waterworld, it's really goofy, Waterworld. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of goofy. Like, it's not, they kind of sold it as like this serious kind of, you know. It's like a cartoon. Yeah, it is. For sure. And Mad Max is goofy. The Postman's a bit more serious. True. I actually like The Postman. I think it's a good film. I like the idea of the Postal Service continuing. Well, it had died. And yeah, then but this, but the, I, this well, guy Maybe we should just watch it or read a synopsis of it. <laughs> oh, I don't, yeah, because it's about three hours. Up, I it's, a big, it's a big one. I shouldn't recommend it if I'm not willing to actually watch it again, but... I've got it on Blu-ray. We conceptually, watch it I like it. All right, so um, A-Scully stuff. I've been playing Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020 this year. 
this year. I know. And explain a little bit. Bit, bit. Okay, you're playing that, but let's just describe for the people your actual experience of playing it yesterday with the particular visitor that we had. Uh, Because... People say video games are a waste of time and they separate people and all that kind of stuff. But what was your experience yesterday with Flight Simulator? Um, I'd already played it. It wasn't like my first time. I played it at the beginning of the week. So I was used to it and I can fly now. I can take off. I can land. It's not really a game, wouldn't you say? Um, It's not like a video game. It is a game because you can't die or anything. You're just simulating an experience. Yeah, but it's a bit more complicated. It's not like you just press the buttons and... uh, It's still a game. You're not actually flying a plane. No, but you do need to learn how to fly the plane. But you also have to learn how to defeat every enemy in every other video game. Yeah, well, people are using the Microsoft Flight Simulator with like $20,000 like setups, like with buttons and... Still a game. You know know what I'm saying? Yep. So, like, people are really serious with it. In fact, this week I watched uh, some YouTube videos of a real, like, jetliner pilot playing it because he'd been looking forward to it for so long. He came back from bringing some people across the globe, came back home and streamed (laughs) him, like, playing the simulator. So it's very, like, accurate to real flying, as in all the instruments and everything, and you can speak to the air traffic control. But anyway, you know, it's uh, what's cool about this one, and yesterday, getting to that, <laughs> is your mother was a visitor here yesterday. She's 78, almost 79, by the way. And, uh, she, you know, she not. I wouldn't say she's up on video games or anything uh, like that, right? Uh, no, but she's pretty open-minded. So I said to her, do you want to see this flight simulator? And she's like, oh, okay. And then, like about three hours later, she was still... <laughs> Watching it. <laughs> because what did we say to her? You can go anywhere in the world, and my mother loves to travel. And you can go anywhere in the world. It's not a lie or a gimmick or a... You can, right? You picked a lot of obscure places and went there, and she yeah. was very impressed. She was totally into it. So she's like, well, I went on my holidays to some this place in Mexico. So She, she lives said, in Mexico in the winter times of... Uh, most winters in the past, you know, past few years. So she's like, can you fly over that? And I'm like, well, where is it? And then we went in there and then I flew <laughs> over it and she's like, oh yeah. yeah the- I could hear, I was in there cooking supper and I could hear my mother. Oh, 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 there's the so-and-so. Now up here is going to be the whatever. Oh, and over here's the, oh, look at that. And she's like, there's the bridge <laughs> that we walked over and there's the thing. And there's the golf course to the right. You know, she, it, cause it's this game slash simulator uses Bing maps for its scenery generation. So, if you fly, you know, out of an airport that you know, it looks just like the airport that you know because it is the map version of the airport that you know. So if you fly over, like, we took off from our local airport and flew over the trail that we bike along. Yeah. And we even saw, like, a, a landmark that we always drive past on our bikes, this house that's very specific. It was right there, and we were like, wow, this is it's really cool. So It was cool. We drove uh, with your mother. I went all over New York City. I went to Rio de Janeiro, looking at the Christ the Redeemer statue. She wanted to see. What else did we see? She wanted to see Machu Picchu, but I think either there wasn't a figure out airport over it. Yeah, I mean, there's an airport, but then you have to fly like 25 minutes to get to right because it's really remote. Because so. my mother, when she was a young girl, and when they first, I guess, discovered Machu Picchu, and then it started being in textbooks and whatnot she remembers having a class in one of her and she went to one room schoolhouse when she was a girl um that opening the book and seeing the pictures of this place that she reckons were probably black and white but it just made her want to travel and she was probably 11 10 9 10 11 years old and she always thought like could that place really exist like it's like me thinking of oz you know what i mean that it just wasn't even imaginable to her and so that's always been a place she's wanted to see. So we'll have to figure out a way for her to be able to see that. I've told her to go to on Google Maps, and then she'll be like, now how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just have to send her some links, but I She guess. seemed to like watching uh, flying over the Yeah, she, and she loves flying. So yeah. those are two things that brought you two together. It was cute. And then uh, another game I've been playing this week is called Spiritfarer. And these mm-hmm. two games are on Game Pass, by the way. Yeah. That one's cute in a different way. Yeah, this one's like... Um, uh, the the what it is is what's it called the um 
the thing where you go down the river. It's like a river sticks. Yeah. Where is that where and like Cerberus the dog and um the gatekeeper guy, I forget his name. Well he's taking you to hell though, that guy, isn't he? He's taking you there. Yeah. Taking you across, I guess, wherever you're supposed to go, maybe. Yeah. Taking you to your final resting yeah. where your soul ends up or whatever. Anyway, this game is you're on a boat and you're a young lady and soon you start to find these you know, you're on this little mission and then you find these people. And the people are animals, but as the animals start to talk to you, you realize that they're people in your life that you've lost, they've died in a, a way. Or Like, the first one you meet is a giant frog who happens to be, he's like, do you remember me? I'm, I'm your uncle. And, no. You know, he's like, uh, I, I was in, he was in a car crash, but then you meet your aunt a bit later who was died of cancer, and they're with you on this boat, and your aim is to make them happy and keep them safe while you're doing this like voyage to take them to their final wherever they go. Mm. Some could say heaven, some could say whatever. You know, the resting place for the soul, I guess. Sure. And they're telling you the story along the way, and they're reminiscing about the childhoods and stuff, and there's this real deep story to it, but like the actual game is like a management like simulator type thing. You, you have to grow food... Sometimes they'll say we're hungry, we want a particular kind of meal, and like you might not have that meal, you've got to go and find, you've got to do fishing, or you've got to go and find a store to buy some, you know, this lady wants popcorn, you've got to find some corn, you can grow <laughs> some corn. There's actually a farming simulator in there where you can grow crops. There's a wood place where you can make wood and planks to build new buildings. Goodness. So it's like... It's kind of like Animal Crossing in a way, but it's more small. You know, like you, you have to. When I, if I loaded it up now, I would have to water my crops, get some wood, set my bearings to go like to the next island that we're going looking at. You know, there's a lot of things like juggling plates, basically. Right. But then there's a story that's unfolding along the way. Um, it's it's actually if you've got Game Pass, which why wouldn't you? It's like a dollar a month. It's like really really cheap. You get Flight Simulator 2020. It's actually on Game Pass. You, you don't have to buy that. Basically, like Microsoft's new deal is, we have this thing. It's a dollar a month. We have a hundred games on it every month, and uh, every new game that we create will be on it. So it's kind of like instead of buying games, you're kind of what is it? It's like it's like Netflix for games, right? Sure. It's like you just pick a game and play it. So both of those games are on Game Pass, and that's what I've been playing. What's for dinner, Sid Talk? What do you want? I want an Impossible Whopper. Not had one for a while. Well, then that you you ask, you shall receive. Love it. <laughs> well, yesterday you had Beyond Burger. I did, so, which yeah. I'm actually very fond of. You are? And I figured out how to cook them just right, so... The first time was a bit rough. It was. It was a little burny. Like, yeah. it, I didn't know how to keep it from being all blackened and shit, but I got it. Now it's good. Yeah. So what is your advice? My advice is to make decisions. <laughs> I think that I am, I don't think, I know, my personality type. I'm very bossy. I, no. I have, expect have expectations. Like, bossy to me is, if we're in a situation and shit needs to get done, and then I look around and everybody's like humming and hawing, and like, I don't know, I don't know, what do you think? I don't know, what do you think? What do you think? It just makes me feel like I've just been sucked in a vortex of nothingness, and none of us exist, and why the fuck are we standing here doing nothing? Right? There's your F word for the show. And so I am compelled to go ahead and make the decision. Let's move forward, everyone. Let's make the decision. And now we're doing it. Now that then gives people the perception I'm bossy. But then I think that's because you're nothing. You're doing nothing. We're doing something. And I'm deciding. So we're moving forward. So that also means that I'm willing to accept the consequences. I'm willing for people to be irritated with me. I'm willing for people to be mad at me. Good examples. Siblings. Friends. Friends of friends, Facebook people. I don't even care. Like, I'm just, I get it. You're irritated because I did a thing you don't like. Let's, again, let's move forward. I've made the decision. I'm going to live with the consequences. I feel like people are so afraid of either being wrong or putting something in motion that doesn't quite work 
perfectly or people will judge them or be like, well, that's stupid. I don't even give a shit. Like, I don't even understand that concept because I feel like if you're the one making the decisions and moving things forward, you're doing something. And if everyone else is standing around humming and hawing and bitching about it, they're doing nothing. Like they're literally contributing nothing to whatever the situation is. So make decisions, you know, start small if you have to. If you feel really intimidated by it, just start very, very small and then work your way up. But before you make that decision, be prepared. It's either going to turn out really, really well or mediocre, like it doesn't even really matter that you made that decision and life goes on, or it's going to have a negative consequence. You can handle that. You can handle all those things, right? Just make decisions. Move forward. That's it. That's it. Nice. Good work. (laughs) Now let's move forward. Come on, let's get this wrapped up. All right, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, they're the places you can find (laughs) us. Google Play, iTunes Music Store, Spotify, TuneIn, RSS Feed, uh, you've got a smart device, just say listen to After the Show Movie Podcast on TuneIn, it'll play the latest episode. Email feedback to me, ascully at ascully.com, don't email Sid Talk. She you can doesn't... find me on Instagram, I don't hate you. No, she doesn't hate you, but she doesn't ever want to listen to any of you. <laughs> That's not true. Just be prepared, you know, people who know me and love me, they're prepared. They know what the deal is. And finally, stay classy, Mr. Patrick Stewart. <laughs> he is. I'll say that, yes. Blink and you'll miss him, though, really, in this and movie. And I'm going to say, think for yourself or someone will do it for you.